Welcome to 15 Minute Freelancer, your snack-sized guide to being your own boss and building a business and life you love. I'm your host, Louise Shanahan. My LinkedIn bio says I'm a freelance health copywriter, but for the next 15 minutes, I'll be tickling your ears with practical strategies, behind-the-scenes stories and nuggets of wisdom so you can create a freelance business that works for you. Whether you're just starting out or you've been self-employed for a while, I'll be right here with you to help you navigate the ups and downs of freelancing life. So grab a coffee, relax, and join me for 15 minutes of freelancing fun. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Hello friends, welcome back to 15 Minute Freelancer, or welcome for the first time if you've never listened before. It's very nice to have you here. If you're a regular listener and you enjoy this, which I hope you do, otherwise why are you regularly listening? Go and do something else. (laughs) Please do leave a review and subscribe. I really appreciate the love. So I'm back after a cheeky week off podcasting. It's funny how when you set yourself a goal to do something every week, it feels kind of bad to skip a week, doesn't it? It's like when you promise yourself that you'll go to the gym four times a week and then if you end up only going twice, you feel like you were slacking. But it's actually still pretty good, isn't it? You're still getting those reps in. I'm not quite sure where my analogy is going with that because I didn't do any podcasting last week. But anyway, when I didn't have an episode ready to publish, you know, I was super busy with various things and I was going away to Aberdeen for a long weekend and I thought, you know what, the world won't end if I just miss a week of the podcast. If I'm going to practice what I preach here, it really shouldn't be a big deal for me to say that I'm not going to stick to my plan one week. You know, I always say that as a freelancer, you get to decide how you run your business. And for me, one of the most important benefits of being self-employed is having the freedom and flexibility to fit my work around my life rather than the other way around. So I figured, aha, that is the perfect lesson to share. Sometimes you can't do all the things. Sometimes you have to prioritize, some things have to wait, and it doesn't mean that you're not still doing a brilliant job. So that was the wee freelancing nugget that I shared on the Twitters last week. It's okay to take a break, and I was trying to set an example for myself as well as everyone else. (laughs) So I'm back today, and speaking of Twitter, this week Facebook went down. Did you notice? (laughs) Did you care? Was your thumb twitching nervously all of Monday evening? Maybe you're normal. (laughs) I wonder how many people rushed to update their LinkedIn profiles and Pinterest accounts on Monday night. And I bet MailChimp subscriptions went up this week as everyone realised it was probably not a good idea to rely so much on a single corporation. And this is actually what I wanted to talk about today. Single points of failure. Now, obviously, there is a much wider conversation to have about all the issues with privacy and data security and influencing democracy and damaging mental health and all of that with these specific apps. And I'm hoping to have a special guest come on and talk about some of that sometime soon. But even if you would like to avoid using Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp for those reasons, the reality is that for a lot of small business owners, using these apps feels a bit like a business tax. It's something you feel like you kind of have to do, even if you'd rather not. If you run Facebook or Instagram ads, or you get a lot of your leads and clients through these apps, it can feel a bit daunting or unrealistic to say that you're going to just quit without an obvious alternative, even if you don't like the ethics or the working practices of that company. I often tell myself that I'm going to delete these accounts for various reasons, but in all honesty, I've kind of struggled to do so. WhatsApp is the main way that I stay in touch with family and friends, so I don't really want to get rid of that. 
I use Instagram a bit for work, though less so recently, and I do have a Facebook account that I keep only really because there are some great communities and groups on there that I don't quite want to cut ties with yet. Although I did notice this week that I hadn't logged in for 10 months, so maybe I may as well quit. So while there are alternatives, at the moment I'm still wandering the edges of the Facebook ecosystem. Luckily for me then that when the lights went out on those apps earlier this week, it didn't really affect me. But for a lot of businesses who rely on ads and organic traffic from those sites or freelancers who get most of their clients through Instagram, people who run those Facebook communities, I bet that was a hairy few hours. I'm sure you've seen a lot of people talking about how this was a reminder not to build your business on borrowed land. We know that if we rely on a third party for our leads and traffic and clients, then we're powerless in the event that they shut that off. If we rely on a particular tool, but we don't control that tool, then we're in quite a risky position if the person who does own that tool decides to get rid of it or changes the algorithm or changes it in some other way. Now, it's not much help to be reminded of that when it's actually happening and you don't yet have an alternative, but it's a useful reminder not to rely on a single app or a single company. So if you're a freelancer in a visual field, let's say, such as a photographer or an illustrator or a designer, Instagram is probably a really great way to showcase your work. But maybe it's sensible to also have an alternative, whether that's a specific portfolio website or your own website where you host your portfolio yourself. If you get a lot of leads through Facebook communities, it might be sensible to have an email list too so that you can contact those people through another route if you need to. If you're a social media strategist or you work with clients on the social media side of things, how can you support those clients to future-proof their businesses in the event that the apps they rely on go down? And it can feel like a bit of a contradiction here. Usually the advice is to niche down, to focus your services in one area, be an expert in that one thing. But if your very specific niche relies on a specific tool, if you're a freelance Facebook ads expert, for example, what happens if that industry or tool just disappears one day? Are you ready to pivot? And many businesses in hospitality and tourism experienced that last year, of course, with the pandemic. And when we think about marketing our freelancing services, again, the advice is often not to worry about spreading yourself too thin and trying to be in all places at all times, and instead to focus on getting really good at one or two platforms or channels, which I do think makes a lot of sense. But if you focus on a single channel for generating leads and that channel goes dark, you're kind of screwed, aren't you? (laughs) How do you remain visible to the clients you want to connect with? Now, I know we're only talking about these apps going down for a few hours this week. It's hardly the end of the world. But the broader point is that you have no control over them. You don't ever want to be in a position where there's a single point of failure in your business. You don't want there to be a single tool or process where a glitch with that thing means your whole business grinds to a halt. So how can you spread your risk? I'm not saying you need to be active on every platform and have a website and an email newsletter and a YouTube channel and a podcast or whatever. It's just a reminder that if your business relies on people finding you to hire you, you need to make it consistently easy for them to find you and easy for you to communicate with them. It's a balance, really. You don't want or need to be everywhere at once, but equally you don't want to end up in a blackout if the one or two channels you rely on go dark at the same time, which when one company dominates so much of the market is entirely possible, as we've just seen. Another angle on this is... It also makes sense to own or look after your own content too. It might be a total pain, but I think it's useful to keep a copy of your post somewhere. 
think about how much great material you've posted on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, etc. over the years. Have you got a copy of it anywhere or is it just on those apps? Even copying and pasting your posts into a Google Doc or a spreadsheet or something like that to keep track of it means you can not only save it in future, but you can use it again. You can repurpose it, turn it into blog posts, all sorts of things. Otherwise, you post it once and after a few hours, it's lost in the ether. And if for some reason the app you're using has a real snafu, you might lose those old posts forever. And what a waste of all that work. There are various content scheduling apps and things like Zapier that could help with this. Maybe you set up a Zap to send your Instagram post to Google Drive or something like that so that you don't lose all that work. Like I say, the point is about guarding against a single point of failure. So for each tool that you use in your business and think more broadly than social media with this, think about your email service provider, your website, your accounting software, Zoom, Calendly, all of it. If any of those tools were to fail for some reason, do you have a backup plan? And I'm not trying to make you panic, I promise, or rather... Maybe I'm encouraging you to feel a tiny pinch of panic now (laughs) rather than an avalanche of panic later when, I don't know, you're about to start a live webinar and your screen goes blue. And I think this probably works for other things too, so not necessarily tools, but let's say you get all your clients through word of mouth. Do you have a process for that? How do you kind of guarantee to an extent that that's going to keep flowing? These are all things that are worth thinking about when we're considering where the single points of failure might be in our business. Another point that popped into my mind this week when I was thinking specifically about how we as freelancers can future-proof our businesses for the possibility of our favourite tools or apps failing was that what happens if it's not the tools that go down, but it's you? What happens if your business relies on you showing up every day, doing all the client work and admin tasks, posting content relentlessly, keeping all that information in your head... What if you need a day off or you get sick or there's an emergency of some sort? You know, you want to have a life outside of work. Are you the single point of failure in your business? And for a lot of self-employed people, the really difficult answer is probably yes. And it sounds stressful, doesn't it? But actually, we can make plans to guard against this quite easily. For example, if you have a virtual assistant, You can give them access to your password manager so they have access to all your tools and apps so they can take care of any emergencies in the event that you're offline. They can communicate with your clients and let them know what's happening. You can make your content marketing easier by using social media scheduling tools so you're not committed to posting on the fly every day or every week, which is what I should do with this podcast. If I really want to commit to posting every week, I should record a bunch in advance and I do mean to, but it doesn't always happen. (laughs) And When it comes to client work, have you got other people you could outsource to in an emergency that you know will do a great job in your absence? Have you got provisions in your contract for building in a bit of extra time if you need it? All of this future-proofing and worst-case scenario planning will be different for all of us, so I don't want to be too prescriptive about it. You need to figure it out for yourself. And the likelihood of these things happening is pretty low, so I don't want you to be worrying unduly about it. Let's keep it in perspective. These companies don't want their apps or tools to be out of use any more than we do. But it's just another reminder to make sure that we build a freelance business that has a little bit of order and organisation behind the scenes so that we're not flying by the seats of our pants every day. I don't think you need to do a full-on risk assessment, although by all means do that if you're so inclined. And actually now, as a former civil servant, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe that's not such a bad idea. (laughs) But with solid processes and a bit of a backup plan and maybe one or two other people who have a rough idea of what you do, 
you can have a freelance business that runs smoothly even in the event of unforeseen fiascos. So I hope this has given you some food for thought. If you have any questions or comments, please drop me a note on memo.fm forward slash 15 or find me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Okay, that's all for today. See you next time. You've been listening to 15 Minute Freelancer with me, Louise Shanahan, freelance health copywriter and content marketer at thecopyprescription.com. If you enjoyed this, please hit subscribe, leave a review or share it with a freelance friend. And if you've got a freelancing question you want answered on the podcast, find me and say hi on Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram. Thanks and until next time, happy freelancing!